0: Another episode of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from Lakers Fast Break, Pop Culture, Cosmos, Inside Sports, Fantasy, Football, and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows. And if you can, please give us that five-star review on Apple Podcasts, or if you can like, subscribe, follow, anything you can do on your podcast app, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, or any of the other Tens of thousands seemingly podcast catchers that are out there. We just truly appreciate you listening to our show and cannot thank you enough for doing so. And if you got an NBA basketball or Lakers fan in your life that you want to go ahead and have them check out, please do so. Please suggest our show. We'd be indebted to you if you could. Well, it's another great episode I've got on tap for you. I want to go ahead and thank you again for listening. He's back one more time. you got to go ahead and check out his Great experience known as NBA Draft Junkies. You start off with the great site, NBADraftJunkies.com. You head into his awesome YouTube page, which breaks down all the latest goings on with the NBA Draft with detailed analysis of picks, mock drafts, breakdowns of the actual prospects themselves on NBA Draft Junkies on YouTube. And then for your listening pleasure, you can now check out his podcast available on Anchor, Spotify, and so many different outlets. That's NBA Draft Junkies as well. It is a good man indeed. It's an experience, my friend, now in NBA Draft Junkies with you, Rafael Barlow. And Rafael, thanks for coming back on.
1: No problem. I never thought of it as an experience, but I'll, I'll accept it. I'll take it as that.
0: Well, it's just I have to go ahead and say it. I was saying it to another friend of mine because you've got all these things going on in your life and you got all these things that people can check out. It's no longer just this or that. It's a whole embodiment of all the great work that you're going ahead and putting into it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I would like to be able to reach people and as many different platforms as possible. There's some people that are going to prefer YouTube. There's some people who may like to just read on the website. And then, um, I think just adding the podcast is, was just a, a no brainer for me. And it's, it's been inspired by you. Um, just listening to, the, the podcast or just getting the notifications on my phone and send my name on there, it's kind of pushed me to do something that I had been wanting to do.
0: Well, I mean, it, it's awesome to hear, and but that's a credit to yourself. I mean, you got to go ahead. You sound awesome every time you're on the show, and, and I'll tell you what, anytime I can get anybody into podcasting, it always brings a little bit of special place in my heart because I have over the 10 years plus i've been doing this have been able to at least talk to people about trying a podcast mm-hmm. and they for the most part they have found it enjoyable and and a worthwhile experience so wow i mean
1: 10 years and podcasting is i mean you must have got in right before it really really just i shouldn't say must have you did get in before it really blew up now it seems like everybody has a podcast
0: exactly it's, it's about 2009 i think was my first podcast uh, I really didn't get into into it. Uh, we were we were never on a set schedule doing it for years. Just you know, about maybe 150 over the course of like five years, but never just really getting into a schedule and things of that nature until you know the latter half of the decade. And that's something I will always regret. Like you said, 2009, I could have gotten into it so much more, and I could have been the Joe Rogan. You never know. Spotify yeah. could have paid me a hundred million dollars. <laughs>
1: $100 million is a lot of money to talk if you think about it. But it just shows that, I mean, we all, for the most part, have the capabilities of creating our own platforms. And there's somebody that may have an interest. You know, I'm sure that when you came out with yours, somebody probably thought like, I mean, how are you going to talk about the Lakers year-round or talk about whatever? But it shows that there are people who will listen and there's Billions of people in the world who need some form of entertainment. So, I wish I would have gotten them earlier, but I'm here now. So, now that I I've joined the podcast world, I plan on producing a lot of a lot of content.
0: That's awesome. Got to make hear. up for lost time. Uh, yes, got to make up for lost time indeed. But you got to check out what he's doing today. Just type in NBA Draft Junkies, and you'll be glad you did. But my friend, there's so much to talk about on today's show. Wanted to go ahead and, you know, you I know you're hearing the rumors. I know you're seeing on Twitter the Sham Sharania, the Adrian Wojnowskis. They're sending out the, all the notes to the owners, their, their proposals. Adam Silver's trying to coordinate it with Orlando. I'm sorry to my friends in Las Vegas here. Unfortunately, Orlando looks more and more and more like the place that's going to be happening. And it looks like it may be happening. May. I'm not confirming anything yet. But it may be happening around the end of July as far as an NBA season being picked up once again in some form or fashion. In Orlando, in the ESPN world of sports that's there, the complex that they have there, I think there's three arenas that they have that are going to go ahead and and separate between uh, practice facilities and actual game places uh, and actual places for them to play games. Not going to be as many as Las Vegas, but they're in an area where they can – uh, as I was saying with Laker Tom earlier this week, they can go ahead and have a place. I don't want to say control. I, I did say control on the show, but I think mm-hmm. a place where they can go ahead and manage things better as far as because of this pandemic. And I understand Jared Dudley from the Lakers and some of the comments that he's made about being in like a jail or type deal. But you're talking about a pandemic, man. I mean, what are you supposed to do? I mean, you, you, There's just really there's no 100 percent right answer, but. Being in a facility like Orlando, there's just no, you know, the the reason why they're doing it there is because they can better, you know, have a better outlook and have a better idea exactly how to control the virus. This is all about controlling the virus and limiting the amount of people who get infected. So exactly what are you supposed to do?
1: I don't know. I mean, if you look at social media from this current weekend it looks like there are some people have declared the pandemic is over like i've seen the videos or pictures of ozarks this weekend i've seen like videos of pool parties so it looks like there's some people who have just said you know what it's over i don't care then there also are people who are still playing it safe then there's people who are I don't know. It's just tough. There are people who are going to get haircuts and going to the salons and getting their, their nails done. And to them, it feels essential. I mean, it's just a great divide as far as the topic of, of what we should do, you know? So, and at the end of the day, it's all money motivated. So even with the NBA, this is motivated by the fact that they have to play over 70 games for the TV money. And then I even read that, like Chris Paul, on his paycheck on the fifteenth, it was short like four hundred thousand dollars. So even though he's made hundreds of millions of dollars, he probably doesn't want to keep having four hundred k reduced from his check because if he got that taken out of his check on the fifteenth, then that means the one coming up on the first is going to be the same thing, and then June fifteenth. So now he's out of one point two million dollars. So. I think that people are just – well, I should, I should just say it like this. It's all money motivated, and yeah. it's kind of iffy that people are choosing money over health or so on. So I would – in my opinion, I would really love to see if they were to ask each player individually off the record, do they want to play or do they want to just get the season over, what would the answers be?
0: That's a good question, my friend. A lot of great questions are being asked at this point in time. There is no 100% right answer in all this that's going on. There's no 100% right answer either which way, and there's people on definitive both sides. As I've seen on your social media, and I've seen on my social media, and seen on all of our social medias, people are on like both sides. Doesn't matter what divide you are. Doesn't matter left or right or anything like that nature. Just just people are so definitive in their answers on which way we should go but uh, the ultimate thing is there is no 100% right answer if you go right. for the side of health or if you go for the side of economy so there there's just no, no way to go ahead and be 100% right you're going to sacrifice either either which way i mean my wife works at a hospital that i take her to several days a week to go work at where she is at risk of her life every single time that she goes there and she she hears about the how many people have checked into the hospital and and things of that nature. So, it's not slowing down. Uh, it, it, it may be slowing down in some parts. It's rising in others. We're seeing we're hearing stories of of one and the other and one and the other. Is it spiking? Is it not spiking? You know, it, it's just, you there is no right answer when all when all comes down to it. And and when it comes to the players and the league. I mean, they're only trying to do what's best, Adam Silver, for, yes, the money aspect, but also for the health and the aspect of the players. So it's not coming down to something where he wants them to willingly go ahead and put them in a controlled environment. He's not trying to go ahead and and make it out like an imprisonment type deal, but it is something that these players have to be cognizant about as far as, okay, I'm going to go ahead and sneak out and go to Disney World or do this or do that and, and come back and put the other player's health in jeopardy. It just, it's seemingly, you know, there is no right answer. And it just, you like you said before, it's just, everybody just has these so definitive ideas on what they should be doing. And I don't know, it just, it's just such a weird time and there's really no 100% right answer.
1: Correct. And I've been trying to keep up with it across the world, just from the different basketball leagues. And China still hasn't started back up and they were originally, I think they called their players back March 1st, yeah. and they're still They're still not playing. And some of the guys, some of the teams have actually allowed their American players to come back home to the States. While the, I know there's a couple of teams, I know the Beijing Ducks, they still have their players there in China. And so I haven't talked to anybody in a while about it, but I know that they're still looking to try to get their season started. but just in china alone there's an area in the northeastern part of the country where they have 100 million people that they put back on lockdown yeah Yeah. so it's like i don't i don't know and then um i know israel is looking to start back up and they wanted their players to report back on like may 18th and i think there's a few of them that still haven't haven't uh came back yet and then this week coming up, and I think it's maybe tomorrow. Tomorrow, so Monday the twenty seventh, there's going to be a big meeting about whether or not they should cancel or keep playing with the Euroleague season.
0: Yeah, and I will tell you what, it's just it's just something that again, there there is no nobody's one hundred percent wrong in this whole mm-hmm. scenario, but it, you got to understand, uh, there's there's an issue of public health. And there's also a, pish, a issue of people's livelihoods. And we should be respectful of both ideals as we move forward on this. But again, as you know, in our society right now, it's not always the most civil thing in the world.
1: Yep, I agree.
0: I'll tell you, you know, it's just ah, such a wacky time. But uh, you know, it is looking more and more like in about eight to 10 weeks that there will be games being played. And which, which means that a lot of these players, now that practice facilities are open, they're mm-hmm. starting to work out. And as somebody who is or has been uh, working out players in the league and and players in other leagues, not only NBA, but G League, European, all over the world, what do they need to focus on? Because as you and I both have seen over the course of our many years, especially me, many, 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 many years watching sports, we've seen where people rush back too quickly as far as their rehabilitation or as far as the exercise and things that they do in the off season, and they end up injuring themselves and hurting themselves and hurting their team much more than what they would have done before. So what process are you suggesting or would you suggest to those players and how they go about their regimen as they go ahead and gear up towards a possible restarting of the season? Like I said, most likely if the rumors hold true around the end of July.
1: This is a tough question, simply because I don't think we have anything to really compare it to. For example, if if it were training camp, let's say it was, I don't know, September 1st, and we're starting training camp, usually guys, even if they don't do anything all summer, they start preparing in August. So they may ramp up their workouts, and then even after they've ramped up their workouts, they may get into some 5-on-5 action And so you may have a month before training camp and then you may have two weeks of training camp and then they start playing games and then you may have two weeks of preseason and then the season starts. So that's, you know, at least eight weeks. And so I don't even know if they're going to have eight weeks. And then as of today, I think there are 11 teams that haven't opened their facilities yet. So no matter how hard you train, even if a player has, had access to a gym like a Mike Conley, and he's been working out every day, you still can't simulate five-on-five. Five. Yeah. You can't simulate being bumped, coming off of pin downs. You can't simulate boxing out or anything like that. So I, it's it's going to be tough, but if I were in charge of working out a player, I think the first thing I would do is just make sure they're getting up shots and just getting the rhythm back, ball handling. But even then that's going to be tough simply because it seems like teams are still going to do a little bit of social distancing, like two or three players at a time in the gym. So you got 15 guys on the roster. You're spreading that out over, over hours. And then I read that the traveling parties of the teams are going to be reduced to like, from like 50 to 33. So, I mean, could you imagine um, Popovich out there having to rebound or pass? (laughs) I mean, with the reduced staff, that's going to happen. So this is just a very weird time that we don't really have anything to compare it to. So,
0: Yeah, this is definitely a different time than than any other that you and I have ever experienced. Uh, We're going to have to wait and see. I mean, I'm just worried there's going to be a lot of hamstring injuries because that's something you and I have seen before uh, especially mm-hmm. after the strike seasons for both the NBA and NFL. I saw a lot of hamstrings because the way that they stretch out uh, maybe seems to be get it just maybe forgotten about or maybe not done well enough because they're they're you know just seems to be hamstrings seem to be the first thing that I see most common in these type after these type of breaks.
1: Yeah, hamstring, groin, but even then, what makes the situation so different, And let's say it, it was a, a lockout-shortened season. You're preparing for a whole season or half a season, but you have a fresh start. In this case, you don't even have a fresh start. You're playing for, let's just get these 20 games over if you're like a, a bad team, like if you're the Hawks or the Cavs. You're playing just to finish out the season. So what motivation do you really have? And if you're not necessarily motivated, you you may not be training for, you know, like you would if you had a full season ahead of you or a half season or a 0-0 zero zero record. So I think that could be something that is can be tough because guys may not take it serious because they're just thinking like, well, I'm getting in shape and I'm preparing just to play for two weeks and then I'm off again.
0: Yeah. Uh, like I said, we we will see, but it's going to take a while. I think it will be over. I remember one time earlier we were talking about maybe a 25-day type of training camp. I think it's going to necessitate being a little bit longer for them before they get to the season start. I think it's, what would you say, a 30-45 to 45 day would probably be even more sufficient?
1: Again, I don't know because I think even if it's 25 days, guys are going to get tired of playing against the same guys and for yeah. 25 days. So they're going to want to, you know, get up and down the court and play and get started. So I don't – I really don't know. But I, I do know that at least in Texas – I'm in Dallas. The gyms have opened up in Texas. And so guys are starting to – get back to the gyms and and work out. Maybe as far as like strength and conditioning workouts more than basketball, but people are starting to try to slowly get back into to the groove of things.
0: Well, we'll see what happens, my friend. It's a lot we're going to be talking about over the coming weeks as the NBA gets closer to a definitive answer whether or not it's going to be in late July. We'll have to wait and see, but it is looking more and more that direction. I mean, uh, they're polling the different owners, asking them about their thoughts on on how to con- best to continue the season. Uh, and we'll see what scenarios that there are. And of course, uh, at Orlando, that facility that's there with a different uh, th- I guess three different arenas and and they're going to have to how they're going to separate the course and all that. We'll we'll hear more in the coming weeks how they're going to do it right here at the Lakers fast break. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC
1: Multiverse. I see the potential for basically like another Netflix kind of paradigm shift where...
0: promoted and this is a thing where audiences do not agree with critics that's the pop culture cosmos show
1: and the pcc multiverse every week on apple podcasts
0: and over a dozen of your favorite streaming and podcasting options but when they get back on the court one of the things i wanted to ask you is you know i'm going to go on to next time we talk about the western conference and your thoughts on that because that's even a little bit more there's two teams that really could be battling there in the Western Conference. But the Eastern Conference, it's been definitively the Bucks this season. Mm-hmm. Is there anyone out there that you think has a chance to do it? Because I think right now when it comes down to it in this type of scenario and you're not in front of a home crowd and you're not necessarily on a road game per se, and I'm using that in quotations here, In this type of scenario, we could see a lot of different things happening in an NBA playoff scenario. So your thoughts on an Eastern Conference, could it be a little bit more tight as far as the the maybe top three, top four teams than we might think?
1: Yeah, I don't know if at this point that you can really have a clear-cut favorite because everybody's chemistry is going to be thrown off. Um, People's rhythm may be off. You just never know. I feel like if the regular season had ended normally, then I would say the Bucks would be my favorite. I think Boston was playing well right before the season ended. And um, Toronto, I mean, you know, on paper, Toronto may not look like a threat, but they were second in the East. I mean, they're second in the East as of today. So I don't, I don't know if I could really figure out which team is a clear-cut favorite. I mean, let's just say if Giannis is rusty, that totally puts Milwaukee in a in a tough situation, or if... Um, I mean, as of now, it doesn't look like it's going to happen, but what if Brooklyn gets K.E. and Kyrie back? Then they could end up being a threat. I mean, I think they're a playoff team as of, as of today. I think they're like the 7th or 8th seed, but that could really just kind of throw the whole conference off if KD comes back. I think Ben Simmons should be healthy for Philly now because he was out, I think he was out before they played. Or even let's just say, you know, a guy like Embiid who people have questioned his his health or his, you know, him being in game shape. What if he just really comes back in either A, great game shape, or B, totally out of shape? You never know with him. You never really know. Oladipo, he wasn't fully healthy when he when he came back but this has given him more time to, to get in shape and Indiana is I think they could be a dangerous team and actually right now if the season would have started right now with the seeding Indiana is ahead of Philly so you'd have you'd have a Indiana Boston I'm sorry Miami Indiana playoff series and a Boston Philadelphia in the first round if you're not in shape for that series, it's <laughs> – I mean, it's, it's going to be – I mean, just the public backlash is going to be tough. Because... Yeah.
0: It it would be tough. And I, I think, though, that if Philadelphia were to be fully healthy, I think they have a chance to really come out of it as the number two uh, or meeting up against whoever it is that's going to be matching up against it with them most likely would be Milwaukee, although – We'll have to wait and see where that matches up. I think Philadelphia could really take advantage of this situation. Brooklyn could as well, but Brooklyn has been very set on saying, hey, KD is not going to be a part of this season. I don't know. As it extends and he feels better and he feels better, it's going to be very hard to keep him off the court if he truly wants to be there.
1: Yeah, which, I mean, by the time the season starts, it's going to be a full calendar year since the injury. And... I mean, has anybody missed a full calendar year with a torn Achilles? I mean, I think Wesley Matthews came back in like eight or nine months. So right before the season ended, I mean, there were a lot of videos. Well, I shouldn't say a lot, but there were videos surfacing of KD playing, and he looked good. I mean, of course, you can't simulate basketball shape like I said, and, you know, there's nobody playing physical defense on him. But I wonder if – if this were an Olympic year, well, which it is, if, but if they were still having the Olympics and the season ended at its normal time and, and Brooklyn was finished in April, would KD have played in the Olympics?
0: Yeah, that's that's a good question.
1: And so if you say, well, yeah, I think he would have played, then that means he could probably play in the playoffs. Yeah. And same with Klay Thompson also, even though we'll talk about the West at another time. So I think that could really just kind of throw things off in the East.
0: It could. It very well could. Uh, and it's something I would like to see. I would like to, you know, if KD can come back, if he's healthy, I think he should be allowed to play. I don't think it should be, you know, it doesn't serve any purpose him sitting more on the sidelines if he's ready to go and play five on five basketball because it's just going to help him get into shape and any contribution he can make for you now that's not pushing it or overextending it like what we saw last year in the middle of the finals because I was the NBA Finals and he clearly was not ready at 100%. But if he is now, then there's no reason why, even if the Brooklyn just gets eliminated in the first round, just the game action for him would go a long way to helping him towards what we're going to see next season.
1: Yeah, because if the season starts in July-ish, which means it's probably going to end in what late August, maybe early September. Yeah. Then a next the next season won't start until what Christmas is what we're hearing. So KD will be out like eighteen months without playing yeah. if he doesn't come back. That's a pretty long time. I mean, I guess for you know for his purpose he might say, well, at least I know I'm hundred percent. But it just seems like he's going to be out a whole full calendar year if he doesn't finish up this season
0: and that would be rough next year I mean you want to get some of the rust off I mean it's not going to if it is an extended playoff run for broke Brooklyn that he's a part of then you're you're wiping off a lot of the rust off of him but Mm -hmm. if you're only going to go ahead and allow him to play come what let's say uh, what Tom suggested what we're hearing mostly that it would be a Christmas start I mean that's a long time. That's a long time for anyone, KD, yeah. LeBron, or anybody to be out that long a time, and expect them to be anywhere near as sharp coming
1: uh, that part of the season. And for personal reasons or selfishly, I hope he does come back. And I'm not sure where Kyrie's at in his rehab, but I would like to see. I would like to see both of them come back. That would add a little bit more drama and excitement to this crazy situation that we're going through and if Brooklyn is the seventh seed and they play Toronto in the first round I think that'd be interesting matchup that I mean I think we're all going to watch basketball anyway due to lack of options but I think it would just add a little bit more to to the games so I personally hope him and Kyrie can come back I don't think it's going to happen I don't think it's possible but I think it would be good basketball to have on tv
0: it would be good for the league, mm-hmm. and it would also be, yeah, money-wise, obviously when it comes down to it, we were talking about earlier, money, 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 but it would just be good for the league and gain interest. It mm-hmm. would gain interest beyond that first watch. I mean, everybody would go ahead and want to watch that first game back, but it's what you do after that first game to sustain an audience, and having KD and Kyrie back, having Joe Embiid and Ben Simmons at 100%, having the individuals, that, you know, let's say, like even a, just a few games with Clay Thompson and Stephen Curry back once again, playing a couple games together, just would create enough interest. Just to have that back would probably be, we would go a long way to help solidifying the NBA once again because we've seen over the course before the coronavirus hit, the ratings were down for the
1: league overall. Yeah, even though I kind of have my suspicions about that simply because I think, I don't know if they're really factoring in the fact that people are cutting the cord and more people are watching online than they are on TV. So, I mean, the ratings may be down, but I don't think interest in basketball is down. I just think people are finding different ways to watch it.
0: You know, I'm hopeful that the NBA will go ahead and make the right decisions, and we will get to see basketball once again in late July And hopefully with that as well, we can see players like KD, Kyrie, and so many other players that have been injured or were questionable at that point in time when the league stopped. We can hopefully see them play once again and finish out the season strong or as strong as you can under those circumstances.
1: Totally agree. Totally agree. Well,
0: once again, I'm on with my good friend Rafael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies. you got to check out his entire experience, including his podcast, his YouTube channel, and his great site, nbadraftjunkies.com. you got to go ahead and check it out just by typing in the words NBA Draft Junkies. Hi, this is Mr. Holiday from the podcast, My Worst Holiday, and you're listening to the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Hey, listener, Dutch
1: here from Voice from the Underground, the podcast. My co-host and I want to invite you to check out our little corner of the podcast verse. At Voice from the Underground, we talk about all the crazy (laughs) happening around us and try to make a little bit of sense out of the nonsense with little to no results. If the idea of hearing three semi-intelligent, outspoken nerds talk about politics, social issues, current events, sports, movies, pretty much anything that we decide to talk about because, well, it's our show, appeals to you, grab your shovel and come on down to the underground, and then consult a qualified psychotherapist. Find us wherever you get your podcasts,
0: just not where you buy
1: your weed. Boys from the underground. Well,
0: my friend... Speaking of NBA draft junkies, you have a great, great video there on your YouTube page about Euro players not getting enough love from, uh, I guess, fans out here. And we've seen this over the course of the past few years about when European players are drafted that the player, you know, because they, these fans don't know them or ha- mm-hmm. they haven't studied up on them, they go ahead and automatically reject them. I mean, Christos Porzingis, I think, is probably the poster child this all to happen uh, when he got vociferously booed out of the building when he was drafted by the Knicks and well we've seen where that went from there I mean he's been a great player when he's not injured and even though he's not on the Knicks now he still is a player that was very worthy of his draft position so I want to hear your thoughts if you can expound them you know first people if you can after you listen to our show here, please, if you can, check out his great video on his YouTube page on the specific subject. But I want to hear you expound your thoughts even more as far as why European players don't get enough love in the NBA draft.
1: Well, in my opinion, a lot of it is just directly related to the average fan being unfamiliar with with the players. And the question I I proposed on my channel was if Killian Hayes had grew up in the States and we were familiar with him from his AAU background. And LaMelo Ball grew up in France or Germany or whatever. And would the, would the views be different? I feel like LaMelo, in my opinion, I have Killian Hayes over LaMelo, and that's just my opinion. But I, it's just a huge gap or divide between how most people feel about the two players. Well, I think if you ask NBA personnel or people that scout, the gap isn't as wide as it is among the fans. I mean, it's you have to my...
0: listen to some of these shows, and these shows are that gap is a lot getting getting a lot narrower and narrower mm-hmm. between Killian Hayes and Lamelo Ball.
1: Right, but for and the fans, it's huge. It's a humongous divide, and I think it all just goes into Lamelo's a name that we've been familiar with for years. He's kind of been in the basketball spotlight for like the last five years. I mean, we literally saw him grow up. We've seen him when he played at Chino Hills. We saw, you know, when he went to Lithuania, Australia. We've seen him grow up. I mean, having a Facebook channel and a brother and a dad that, you know, precede you helps a lot. But in my opinion, I just think well I just say I like Killian Hayes a little better, a little bit more than I like LaMelo. And but you know, I got a lot of flack on my on my uh, YouTube page and emails when I had Hayes going number two on my mock draft and Lamelo going number five. So that's why I proposed the question. But it's it's not new. It's kind of like even with Luke. I remember when he first came out. You know, you heard all the talks of he's too slow, not athletic yeah, enough. Not athletic enough. Then there were even. It, I just felt like a lot of it was nitpicking. Like, I remember there was one article came out, and I want to say it was from a pretty well-known, reputable um, website or whatever. And the article says something like, Luka Doncic won't, he won't work out for any teams. So then I started seeing all the comments. Oh, he's scared. And I I remember telling people, well, the reason he's not working out is because he's still in season. Like, the European season I mean, the League ends in probably mid-May, but you still have your domestic leagues that don't end until mid-June. And, and I want to say in the case of the ACB, late June. So, and I think that particular year, his season ended. He won the championship in the Spanish League and he had to fly right from that last game to the draft. But the, the perception was, you know, he's scared he's not gonna show out, show up and work for teams. And then they were also had articles saying that he hasn't declared for the draft yet. And I'm like, it's mid season. Like, even though college players we assume they're coming out, you've never seen at least I don't I don't recall seeing a college player say, I'm declaring for the draft in December. You know, it's just a distraction during the during the season. But I just feel like there's a immediate bias going on, and they were doing little things to just kind of like pick at him and question his heart, question his toughness, I mean, comparisons to Darko, and I just feel like it's unfair. I mean, I feel that if a guy goes to Duke and he doesn't pan out as an NBA player, he's considered a bust, we don't consider the next Duke player to be a bust. While I think European players will always be compared to the guys who didn't make it as opposed to the ones who did
0: yeah for everyone you as you were saying Darko Milicic and uh, Nicholas uh, Skiv- uh Skilishvili. Skilishvili yes uh, mm-hmm. that's a name that will always live in my brain even though I can't say it properly about their failures you, you always forget about the others who have succeeded I mean just in Dallas you have one of the greatest players of all time that that played for you know the Mavericks I mean it's just People were talking about him. He was what drafted what seventh, eighth, I think. If that's and he was like flip flop between Robert Tractor Trailer, I think, in that mm-hmm. trade to get Nowitzki.
1: Yep.
0: Yeah. So it's. I mean,
1: But it, even like other guys, like I want to say, you when you talk about guys being compared to your European players, and maybe I don't. I mean, I guess it's unfair to bring up the race thing, but I never hear about Rudy Gobert. You know, like you don't, you never hear like a. A big being compared to a Rudy Gobert or or even Giannis. Giannis was the MVP. Luca was Rookie of the Year. Gobert was Defensive Player of the Year. You, These you are never all a thing. European players, so you never hear about that. You still hear about Darko, Scuzzi, Billy, really, um, Jan Vesely, uh, a few other guys. You hear about Bender, but you never hear about, like I can say, Rudy Gobert. I mean, Nick Batum has had a good career. Evan Fournier, I think, is, you know, he's he's not an all-star, but he's going to play 13 to 15 years and be a, a high-rotation guy. He's been good. I mean, there's other guys like Siakam. MB. It, it is
0: what you're saying. It is. Yeah. I mean, I know you don't want to say it. I know I don't want to say it. But it's there. I mean, it's as yeah. it's plain as day. You could you could say it it's not there, but it is there. I mean, the only time that those players ever got comparisons when it comes to the draft is, okay, let's say like a Chad Ford or somebody at that point in time was saying, Giannis to me, plays like X player or things of that nature, but it doesn't stay with them like these other players, and it doesn't stay with them like we've seen from these failures because most of these failures – that are memorialized or remembered by us in draft history seem to be of one race over the other.
1: Yeah, it's just... Yeah, I,
0: there's a common theme. There's a common
1: thread. I, I mean a common theme because Giannis, I don't hear his name ever brought up as, as being a European player. You know, <laughs> he, he is... I mean, we call him the Greek freak. We know that he's, you know, he represents Greece. But when you hear about... European player. And, I, you know, you just don't hear about him. Like I say, you hear about the guys that didn't make it. Um, and then I also think that sometimes if you are an international player, if you played in the U.S. high school system or you went to college in the States, then you just kind of lumped into being an American. Like DeAndre Ayton is from the Bahamas, I believe. Yeah. Or, or Buddy Hill. You know, those guys aren't necessarily – Americans, they can't represent the U.S. in international play. But because we're familiar with them and they went to Arizona and OU, they don't get thrown into the whole non-American box that other guys have been put in.
0: Same thing uh, with uh, Puerto Rican, if correct. If, if there's a Puerto Rican superstar, could he represent the country or no? That That's, that's the thing.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure because I don't even think like
0: because they usually have their their own representation. They have their own
1: team. Like yeah. I mean I, I guess most like I mean Barea would never make one of the US teams. But even like Carl Anthony Towns if I'm not mistaken he can't represent the US because he played for the Dominican team. Yeah. Um I want to say like 4 or 5 years ago. So I don't think he can ever represent the US.
0: And that's it's just like you said it it it's it's there. I mean, you know, you want to go ahead and skirt around it, but it's there and yes most of the high profile failures are of a certain ethnic origin mm-hmm. uh you know that comes to european players but overall like i said when it comes down to your thoughts your thoughts were really uh, just spot on on the subject and uh, you know european players as a whole whether of any race uh it seemingly they don't get enough love period when it comes to denny avija you know mm-hmm. for instance let's go ahead and talk about him i mean if he gets picked a great percentage of the NBA fans out there, from let's say the U.S. primarily, are probably going to say, "Who is that?" And he's going to be, and he's been really high on your list. He's, yeah. I think, I think you've had him close to your, if not right there at your top five, right there on the five-six area, and mm-hmm. for some other people as well. I've seen him fluctuate here and there, but you know, he's somewhat very high up on your list. But people are going to say, "Who in the heck's that?" If he gets drafted that high up.
1: Yeah, I have him going to the Knicks. So, as you can imagine, Knicks fans are just on my neck. He's terrible. Why? (laughs) Like, didn't you guys learn from 2015? Like, it wasn't that long ago. But I get it. You know, New York fans want a point guard. And, you know, they feel like they missed out on Zion last year. So, they want LaMelo really bad. And I think it would be a good fit for them personally. But, yeah, I mean, he's... I just think because they're not familiar with him and I think that he will get booed on draft night if he gets picked by the Knicks, especially if, you know, a more more recognizable name is, is sitting in the draft room, but that's just basketball. I mean, I just, I just don't like the fact that guys like Ginobili and Tony Parker and Dirk are never really mentioned as the successes, you hear more about the failures of the guys that were from Europe that didn't make it. And I mean, poor Darko. I mean, he's 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 always going to be. I mean, every player is going to be compared to Darko in a sense. I mean, like look at Jokic. Jokic is. I mean, he's an All NBA player, and you don't really hear. About how successful he's been as a European player compared to an American player. that was drafted ahead of him.
0: That's so funny because Jokic will have a great career, I think, but he yeah. might not. He might not be remembered 25 years after he leaves the game as much as Darko will be remembered.
1: And did you know that there's like um, there's Darko a connection is- between the two? Uh, how Darko's so- Darko's. No, Jokic's brother was in Darko's entourage when he came to the States.
0: Oh, my gosh. I'd have
1: to send you the article one day. But, yeah, I read it, and I was just, like, crazy that they're, that. part of the reason why they say Jokic is successful is because his brother spent a lot of time in the States, and he was with Darko. And, you know, they talked about how they he struggled fitting in with that Detroit team, and he partied and, you know, just kind of made up for just struggling adjusting to the culture. And then by the time they got back to Serbia, Jokic's older brother realized that his younger brother had turned into a prospect. And so he moved to dinner with him, but everything that they did with Darko when they were younger, they made sure that they did not do with Jokic. And so it's like part of the reason why he transformed his body. And it's, it's an interesting read, just how there's a connection between the two.
0: Very interesting indeed. Uh, Just so we could also advise him what not to do uh, if Mm -hmm. you were to get in those types of situations. So that actually uh, it's good right there for you. But yes, I mean, there's some tough questions and there's some tough things that you want, you, you know, you can say, or you can ask about, but if people get a chance, they need to check out NBA draft junkies, your YouTube page and check out that specific video. And then all while they're there, they can also check out all the prospects, but understand why European players they, they, you know, for for a great deal of them, they are playing at somewhat of a competent enough level where they can go ahead and get that platform to succeed in the NBA. It's just amazing the lack of, uh, not understanding, but just the, the lack of appreciation like we've seen from Christoph Porzingis, who I, I knew was going to be a good player. I was actually hoping the Lakers would pick him at number two that year he had come out instead of D'Angelo. And things could have played out a little bit differently if that would have been the case. But, you know, it's it's hindsight's twenty twenty. I just, uh, like I said, European players should be evaluated on a par equal to their American counterparts.
1: I, I agree. I think on one hand I will say it's a little tougher simply because in Europe um, some guys don't necessarily get a chance to really play like they would in college. So, I mean, Luka was a guy that he played a lot. Um, so I think you knew what you were getting with him. But I think there are cases where a guy dominated the junior levels. He played on a, a EuroLeague team, and he did not really get a chance to play. So I think that was the case with Bender. He was drafted highly based off of how he played in the, you know, the junior teams. But on Maccabi, he didn't really get a lot of minutes. So they didn't really get a chance to compare him or just kind of see how he would compare against – nba level athletes or grown men so i think in some cases it may help guys it may hurt guys but i feel like there's owners that don't want to take a european player number one or number two i mean in my opinion that's the only reason why luka fell as far as he did because i i mean i think you know you heard about Sarver wanting um because of their Arizona connection. but I, I in my opinion and I could be totally wrong it's just my opinion, but I feel like DeVx and the King's organization were like we don't necessarily want the backlash if it doesn't work out. So that's and, that's
0: the one I'll never figure out with Vlade. I just you know it was there. they have a relationship and even with Phoenix, yeah. the coach had a relationship with Luca and yeah just could I just you know at say Lavie more power for the Mavericks they've got it they got the pick they wanted. And it's worked out very well for them. So if we can give more love to Europe, or at least better understand when you evaluate these players that are best for your teams as fans out there, just go Mm -hmm. ahead and not automatically dismiss these European players because on a lot of
1: occasions, they do work out. Yep. But, you know, it's interesting with my site. If I post a video of a European player they generally get more views than my American players. I noticed that you, you yeah. actually pointed
0: that out to me. And I, I looked at that and I'm like, yeah, not even close.
1: But I think it kind of helps in a sense because when people are seeing these guys' names on draft boards, there's not a lot of video. While yeah. any American prospect, you type their name, you might find videos of them when they were in ninth grade. You might find it OAU clips. You're going to find plenty of people doing their college clips. So, the European players aren't as well known, even in their own country. They're not. There's not a lot of YouTube videos. It's not like in the states. Like if you go to a Nike EYBL game, there may be like nine videographers on the baseline filming. While you go to a, you know, a Next Generation tournament game and overseas, and you got a lot of the top high-level European prospects playing in that league, there may not be anybody filming. I mean, been, there may be a live stream of the game. So I think, I, mean, I think that's an area where I can probably be effective at, is just having more videos on my site of the European players and maybe helping the American fans become more familiar with them. But I still think just because they're in Europe and there's not a lot of familiarity as far as the name, there's going to be a bias.
0: We'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Needing an edge for your fantasy football team? Listen to the guys at Inside Sports Fantasy Football for insight that will help you reach your league championship. That's Inside Sports Fantasy Football. Check it out today on your favorite podcast outlet. Well, there you have it, my friends. You gotta go ahead and check out what he's doing today, Mr. Rafael Barlow on NBA Draft Chunky, so you get a deeper insight not only on just the European but also the domestic prospects as they gear up towards the NBA draft. And one thing everybody has to remember in this draft, this is not considered a strong draft. And I wanna Mm -hmm. stress that. So you're gonna go have to go ahead and do a lot of work as a general manager to find and choose the best fits for your organization, because you don't have the greatest talent pool in the world to draw from.
1: Well, I'm starting to. I, I don't want to say it's a. It's not the draft. worst draft. It's not the yeah. worst draft.
0: It's not 2013. To, right. That's probably well, the, the I, lowest I can one 20, I can
1: remember. I think. Well, 2013 came out with some pretty decent players, if I'm not mistaken. But I just don't know if you're going to get the... I think two, Well, let me say, I think 2013 is considered a bad draft because you didn't have a superstar going in the top five.
0: Or at least that what well, they thought was no superstars. Yeah, stars.
1: and so I think with this draft, I think there's going to be quite a few guys that have long careers. It may not be high on... You know, you might not get a Zion or or Carl Anthony Towns, you may not have that caliber of player you know, going early, but at the same time, I think that you're going to have quite a few guys that end up playing 10, 12 years and have long careers and good complementary players. But you know, ju- drafts are judged by all-stars and superstars, but I feel like there's some drafts where you have one or two guys that are really, really good, and then you look at the lottery, and there's three or four guys out of the league within five years. So I don't know if this draft will have
0: that. I'll tell you what, there's no better place to check out exactly if any of these players or all of these players or many of these players can actually fit the bill for these teams, than NBA draft junkies. So before we head on out and before I ask you to share some last thoughts on Jerry Sloan, why don't you go ahead and give everybody an update. What's going on at NBA draft junkies.
1: Pretty much the same, just content. I think now I want to do a little bit more. Fan interaction on my site, and so that's what when I did the video about the European bias, I think there's over 100 people commented. So that's pretty fun to me. Um, I need to do another mock draft, 15 through 30. I should start working on that tonight. I may have it up. Well, I, I'll definitely have it up before this this podcast is uh, on the air. And um, then from there, I think I know I have Tyrese Halliburton. I have a video of him coming out soon. I haven't decided who I'll do next. I'm thinking about doing maybe Theo Meladon, is another guy that people may not be too familiar with who was once considered a, a lottery pick coming into the season. His stock has kind of fallen. So I think that I may do the video of him. I'm trying to decide between him or J.D. McDaniels, somebody that we've talked about on this podcast that I really like, even though the talent and the numbers don't seem to add up. So I want to do a deeper dive. And two, why his production doesn't match his, his talent and skill set. So I think those are the next two guys that I'll do.
0: I think with Jaden, it's just a matter of here and here. If he wants it and he really wants to go get it. I think that's. I think it's just. It's all about does he have the motor? Does he have the need? Does he have the desire to go ahead and be successful? Because the talent, to me, what, what I've seen is definitely
1: there. Yeah, I mean, there's no question about his talent and how gifted he is at his height and how he handles the ball. But again, you know, just the production just did not, did not match.
0: So funny that Washington has gotten all these great, uh, you know, prospects in in recent years, but their teams have not ultimately ended up with a successful record. Uh, Lorenzo Romar, I think is the coach that was able to go ahead and, and recruit all these players, but he's never been able to get them to produce there at a high enough level is what their actual, uh, uh, I guess, status had dictated before they entered the the NCAA.
1: Yeah, I don't think Robemart recruited the last two guys, Stewart and and McDaniels. He's somewhere now. because Remember, he was at Arizona. I think his last year was after Fultz. Fultz last year.
0: Okay, because I I know he got termed. I I didn't know when Mm -hmm. he got termed. Uh, Yeah.
1: But he did have Chris and Fultz, two guys, back-to-back guys that were lottery picks. And... You know, they I don't think they have won a NCAA game in in years.
0: Yeah. So you got to imagine that. I mean, just all this talent going there, just trying to find exactly with these with these talented players, the drive. I mean, it's just seemingly like you said with before with Onyeka Okongwu. It seems like he has that ability. He has that want. He has that desire. But he may not possess enough uh, as much talent as Jade McDaniel, just it's just that dynamic it's just you know do you want it or or do you not
1: yeah i think he's just a late bloomer who i mean i know he played on like he was in the usa basketball circuit or, or he, he did have some hype coming in but when you think of chino hills you don't think of him you thought of the ball brothers and he was on that team which is crazy that that one team could end up with three guys that are lottery picks on one high school team
0: that's amazing that's amazing well my friend it's been a great episode i truly appreciate you taking the time to speak to me but before we head on out the late jerry sloan he passed away recently nba coach for the utah jazz for several years was a thorn in the lakers side because he had such good teams never quite got them over the hump as a championship team but still Many years of success, playoff runs for many, many years. He had a lot of great success with and without uh, Stockton and Malone. So I want to hear your thoughts a little bit on Jerry Sloan on the way out.
1: Yeah, he was a guy that will always be remembered as a, just a hard nose winning coach. Um, I think there's a little saltiness on how he went out with the whole Darren Williams thing. But I was I did read that whatever issues that they had, that they ironed him out and they made up for it. So that was good to hear. But I think you always think that he left the game earlier than he was supposed to and he didn't go on his own terms because the way the media played it is that he left because he was unhappy with the player. So I didn't like that part of it because it just seemed like he was kind of forced out or the new generation of players, he couldn't handle them. But it was, like I said, it was good to hear that whatever issues that they had, they – they made up and they, you know, they were cordial with each other before he passed. And honestly, I just didn't know that he was, I heard he had some health issues, but I didn't know that he had deteriorated to to that point. And, you know, you always see him as being the lively, fiery coach of the Jazz. And I just couldn't imagine seeing him not having that same energy. And But 2020 has been rough. I mean, we've lost three Hall of Famers in less than six months. So, I really hope that there's no more. I don't know if the basketball world can take any, any more, just these untimely, you know, untimely deaths. But it was also the timing of it was pretty interesting because his name had just started coming up again after everybody was watching the last dance and that, that whole jazz team was, you know, was back in our thoughts and our minds. And then you know, a week later he passed passes. But basketball legend, obviously a Hall of Famer, um, He's loved in Chicago and Utah, so he played most of his career in Chicago. So it's just another tough loss for the basketball world and community, but he was a great coach.
0: Yes, he was, and he should always be remembered, like you said, as a great player and a great coach, and his contributions to basketball should never be understated. We're going to miss Jerry Sloan uh, as he passed away this week at the age of 78. 2020 has been a definite rough year, my friend. But we're going to get through it. We're going to get through it together. Everybody listening out there, please stay healthy, stay safe. You too, my friend, please stay healthy and stay safe. I'm going to talk to you soon. Hopefully, as soon as we can, you got to go ahead and preview the Western Conference to see if anybody can go ahead and uh, go and maybe match up against the Lakers or the Clippers. I definitely want to hear your thoughts on that. It's going to be an interesting conversation, I think. As we get closer and closer to an NBA season, hopefully eight to 10 weeks away, we're thinking that might happen because we're hearing the rumors a little bit louder and louder and louder. So I'm, I'm definitely willing to hear your thoughts again, as much as you want to give them. And not only on that, the NBA draft, that also has to be solidified at some point in time. So we're definitely looking forward to hearing more thoughts on that and your thoughts on basketball and life period. It's just so great to have you on the show. And I cannot thank you enough for being part of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast.